Today's reading is from Revelation chapter 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as, it, as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that it might devour the child at the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled in the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Thank you uh, very much for that, Chris. Uh, very helpful reading out uh, an interesting passage. Uh, I first um, kind of had this idea to uh, look at this part of the Bible at Christmas time um, a year or two ago. Uh, we were at youth group. One of the great um, things about our youth group is that our youth are always full of questions. Um, and on this particular night, one of the youth asked, um, you know the you know the Christmas story with the with the baby Jesus and the manger and all that. Uh, is that in the Bible? Where's the Christmas story in the Bible? Um, and I said, and, and you might know this. Um, well, it's in two places really. Actually, it's um, uh, it's in a book called Matthew. There's an account of the Christmas story there, and that's a bit more from Joseph's, Joseph's point of view. Uh, you have the angels and you have the wise men, uh, and then the book of Luke has a slightly different version, which is more from Mary's point of view. Uh, it's got the manger and the shepherds. 
And then I kind of said, just kind of absentmindedly, oh, and actually there's sort of a third account of the Christmas story um, in a book called Revelation that not so many people know about. It's what we call an apocalyptic story. That means it has all sorts of signs and symbols and weird stuff that represents other stuff. And it even has this um, picture of this big evil dragon. And the youth said, what? That's cool. And the youth leader said, what? That's cool. Um, and I thought, well, why don't, we, why don't we do this version of the Christmas story sometime so we can uh, hear a bit more about it? Uh, that is actually what Chris has read out for us. I don't know if you um, believe me uh, reading it through it the first time. I don't know if you um, picked it up. But Chris has actually read out for us a version of the Christmas story. The Christmas story. The story where Jesus comes to earth as a baby and is born for our salvation. Um, only unlike Luke and Matthew, uh, Matthew's accounts, which have real literal descriptions of what happens. Here, things are written from that cosmic viewpoint. Rather than the shepherds and the wise men and the donkeys and the mangers, there's crowns and stars and suns and moons and horns and iron scepters and, of course, the big dragon itself. Now, maybe you say a little bit like our youth. Ah, that's cool. Okay. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, Maybe you'd prefer the sable and the donkeys, but um, I want to show you today that um, even though this is a really bizarre story and um, it's, maybe it is cool because it's kind of an alternative Christmas account, um, I want to show you actually today more than that, that this story is a powerful story. It contains powerful truth, powerful truth that can really help us, I think, at Christmas time. And how does it help us? Well, I think three ways that this story can help us. I'll put these on the screen. Um, I think Revelation 12 can help us. Uh, number one, be real about the world at Christmas time, the dragon lurking. I think Revelation 12 helps us have real hope at Christmas time, the dragon held down. And I think Revelation helps us worship the real hero of Christmas, the dragon slayer. Be real about the world, have real hope at Christmas time, worship the real hero, the dragon lurking, the dragon held down, the dragon slayer. Uh, So first, how does this help us to be real about the world at Christmas time? Uh, Well, I love Christmas time. You don't need to know me too well to know that. I really enjoy uh, the traditions and uh, the different things that happen this time of year. I'm going to try and make my holiday eggnog this afternoon. Um, Lots of exciting things going on. Um, We've just had a new baby in our house, so of course there's lots of sort of joy and um, excitement going along. And I'm also really enjoying watching Eleanor, who's our two-year-old, kind of really discover Christmas for the first time. She was really too young a year ago to know much about what was going on. Uh, we've, we've enjoyed being able to go out and do some of the Christmassy things you can do this time of year. Uh, we got to go to the big Santa's Wonderland thing at the showgrounds this year. Actually, we went to the um, big thing at the showgrounds and they had a Christmas dragon ride there. And I thought, oh, wow, um, they must be re- reading Revelation as well. Very impressive. I didn't expect that. Uh, but it is a special time of year. There are lots of fun things around, aren't there? There are decorations in the shops. Uh, you know, just down here, there's all sorts of decorations, even just down by the beach. Uh, It's a nice time of year and we have a nice place here in Brighton, I think, to be able to enjoy it. Yes, some of the traditions don't really make that much sense, being in the Southern Hemisphere. um, We bring our Christmas lights out when the days are just getting to their longest. Uh, But we've got things pretty good. We've got things pretty good around here. I think we're pretty lucky. But sometimes it does seem to me that some of these fun things, some of the decorations, some of the festivity, sometimes can feel a little bit like 
a shallow kind of distraction from what the world is really like. Uh, You walk around Brighton, you walk around Marion shops and you buy some treats and you see the decorations and you hear the Christmas music playing and it feels like we're a million miles away um, from the conflict and war and poverty and strife that is the reality um, for much of our world. And the festivity might distract us, we might I might actually like being distracted from kind of the bad news and the hard things that happen in the world, but um, if we are real, it doesn't make those hard things in this world go away. Um, For some of us, those hard things in the world might be kind of at arm's length. Um, There's conflict and war in other parts of the world. There's um, growing international tensions. There's maybe worries about what that might come to and whether wars might start hitting close to home one day. Uh, There might be climate change, which is kind of out there and a bit scary and perhaps a bit worrying. Uh, Inflation, cost of living is going up and perhaps um, Christmas is... uh, Perhaps Christmas is a chance to kind of push all those things out of our mind uh, and just focus on some fun and some celebration um, and some lights and some festivity. But then maybe for others of us, maybe that brokenness of the world is actually hitting much closer to home. Uh, Maybe it's your family affected by conflict in some of those other countries. Maybe the cost of living is hitting you particularly hard and causing you lots of stress. Or it could be that you're in the middle of some health problems or family tension or um, job pressure or lack of work or lack of direction or the ongoing but rising stress of caring for um, family or aging parents or um, dealing with their own bodies as as they age or perhaps grieving those we've lost. Perhaps some of you, uh, those hard things are hitting you actually even more acutely at this time of year. Maybe, maybe it makes Christmas feel a bit shallow because you know you can't just put up decorations and pretend uh, that everything is happy. Perhaps all the festivity makes you feel like you're left out or ignored or that people would just rather you sort of pretend that things are all good at the moment. Uh, but here's where Revelation helps us, I think. Here's where Revelation 12 helps us. Revelation 12 gives us a picture of what life is really like. Uh, It gives us a picture of Christmas, which is actually up front about the evil and brokenness lurking in our world. It doesn't try and hide it away. Um, Let me show you. Let's have a look again at what Chris has read for us. Um, This is how our account started. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Let's try and picture that one. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Uh, now, a woman about to give birth, as we uh, go through Revelation, we, we um, know that there are lots of metaphors here that actually represent other things. Um, and here we see this woman about to give birth, and we're talking about the Christmas story, so we might think, um, this is Mary. This is Mary who's going to give birth to Jesus. And I think there's, that's kind of a half-truth. Um, I think that's half-right. But um, really, some of this imagery, the sun and the moon and the stars... Um, The original readers of Revelation probably would read some of this stuff and they would think about parts of the Old Testament. Um, Parts of the Old Testament, particularly particularly one part, Genesis 37, um, which you might not know, but it's um, the dreams that Joseph has. You might remember the story of Joseph. He's the one with a coat of many colors um, and he has dreams and the dreams have suns and moons and stars bowing down. Um, And it seems like this imagery is put here in Revelation to kind of make the readers... Um, of this book. Think of that picture. And that picture really is a picture, not so much of just Mary, uh, but really it's a picture of, of Israel, of, of, of all of God's people through the centuries. 
um, through the Bible, God's people are often described as a woman. Think of even the church being described as the bride of Christ. And so from here, from this woman of, of God's people, and Mary, I think too, but um, from this woman of God's people is coming this child. This child is going to be born. Uh, but then things take a dark turn. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. We don't have to guess who this dragon is. Uh, Verse 9 will tell us the dragon is Satan, the devil, the one who is opposed to God, the the deceiver, the accuser. This is who the dragon is. And the dragon stands, I think, not just for Satan, but for everything that Satan is behind. Evil, brokenness, sin in this world. The hard things that we've been talking about. Um, verse 9 has a reference right back to Genesis 3 and the beginning of sin and evil in the Bible story. I think it's, it's trying to get us to think back to that moment where sin and brokenness and evil came into the world. It's a comprehensive picture of everything that's wrong with this world that we're in. This is a picture that does have joy, celebration. This child is coming to be born. This is, this is Christmas as we know it. Uh, but at the same time, this is a picture of Christmas that doesn't try to, for a second, uh, to push evil and problems to the sidelines. It's got those things front and centre. This is a Christmas that doesn't shy away from the truth of darkness and evil lurking in our world. Uh, this is a picture of Christmas as it really is, where we celebrate and we do put up decorations and we, uh, we enjoy a good time, uh, but where we know that in this world there are lurking hard things, dragons, maybe lurking in the backgrounds, maybe standing right in front of us. A dragon stood in front of the woman, waiting to devour the child the moment he was born. Uh, This week I was thinking about some of the different Christmases that I've had. Um, I've had lots of good ones. I hope you've had lots of good memories of Christmases over the years as well. Uh, One of the Christmases I remember well was when Annika and I just started dating. We started dating, um, I can't actually remember the exact date, I apologise, but uh, I think it was just two or three days before Christmas, maybe four or five, it was give or take. Um, We had this lovely first date where we, um, it was sort of a first date, it was was probably not our official first date, but I picked Annika up and we went up to the Lobethal Lights, um, met met some friends up there, it was kind of romantic up there, uh, Lobethal Lights, lots of of romance at at this time of year, Christmas, Um, really great thing. I got Annika, I remember, a nice, really nice present, I actually don't remember what the present was, but... um, (laughs) What I can remember really clearly was wrapping it really nicely. Like for the first time, I worked out how to do that ribbon thing where you sort of get the ribbons and you wrap them around and you make that sort of beautiful square thing and tie the bow on top. Um, all look, looks really pretty and nice. New girlfriend, of course, you've got to impress her. I'm sorry to say, nowadays, it's, it's probably newspaper and masking tape. Um, <laughs> but I remember that Christmas actually... I remember that first Christmas that um, we had as um, boyfriend and girlfriend actually for a really hard reason um, because I think Christmas itself was was really fun and was fine. I don't think we actually saw each other on Christmas Day. We just started going out. But um, a couple of days after Christmas, we found out that one of our friends had been killed in a tragic motorbike accident. Um, A lovely Christmas uh, with lots of joy and lots of fun, but heartbreak wasn't far away. Uh, And then a year later, another Christmas, Annika and I were engaged by then. uh, But sadly, another tragedy. Just a few days before Christmas, we had another friend passed away. That really was a really hard Christmas. And those two Christmases, I remember, um, after that, Annika and I, for a few years probably, we got to the next Christmas and we kind of asked ourselves, what are the, 
well, we've had these awful things happen two years in a row. We kept asking ourselves, what's, what's going what's to come for us this year? What evil's lurking for us this Christmas? Actually, for a year or two, Christmas brought on, amongst the other things, uh, feelings of dread. Maybe that's how you feel as we head into Christmas this year. Like the dragon of evil is lurking close by. There's the beautiful carols in the shops, uh, but lurking just out of sight. Like a dragon is the ongoing stress of somehow having to try and keep your shopping to a budget as prices keep going up and up. There's the presents under the tree, uh, but lurking just out of sight like a dragon is your mental health. You're struggling more and more. You're wondering if you'll actually be able to feel joy when you open those presents on Christmas morning. There's a family lunch with lots of great food and yummy treats, uh, but lurking just out of sight is all that family mess and conflict and tension. And you relax at the end of the night after another good Christmas day, but perhaps just out of sight, lurking like a dragon is the knowledge that that's one more Christmas to remember and one less to look forward to. Death will sooner or later bring an end to our Christmases, and it might have already taken away those we wish we could celebrate with. But this, I think, is where the picture of Revelation 12 is powerful. Because this is a picture where there is a reason to celebrate. But this is also a picture which is really blunt and really honest about how the world really is. Things do go wrong at Christmas time. Christmas can be a time of hurt. A time where it can be a time where you don't feel too much like celebrating. Even if you're having a pretty good Christmas and the world's problems feel further away. Revelation encourages us not to be naive. Evil isn't as far away as we think it is. It lurks like a dragon, even if for now it's lurking just out of sight. Now, if we left things there, it might all feel a little bit doom and gloom, mightn't it? And the point of my sermon today would be, there's lots of problems in the world, stop being so happy, which wouldn't be a great message to take away, I don't think. But that's not where we're going to stay and that's not the point of the story in Revelation 12 because, yes, it's real, this passage about how the world really is. Yes, the world really is a place of evil and sin and brokenness. But in Revelation 12, if we can be real about the evil in the world, well then, we can see our second point, the real reason to have real hope at Christmas time. Let's continue through our passage. We might not get all the details, but let's try and get... The big picture, I'll continue from verse 5. The woman is waiting to give birth to Jesus. The dragon's waiting to try and devour the child as soon as the child's born. Um, When you think about it, there was actually lots of evil trying to get Jesus when he was born, wasn't there? There's the Herod trying to get him killed. There's even, when he gets older, Satan trying to take him out into the desert and and tempt him, trying to lead him astray. Um, So we can perhaps picture what some of those things might be referring to. Um, But from verse 5... The woman gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Jesus is born. He's born safely. He's protected by God. And he lives. And then just very briefly, I think, Some of what's going on here is that it's talking about um, Jesus being snatched up to heaven. I think it's talking about actually later in Jesus' life, Jesus ascending to go up to heaven um, after his death and resurrection. 
And the woman, God's, God's people, the woman um, goes to be taken care of for 1260 days. That number in Revelation um, normally tends to represent the current age we're in. So it's, I think it's talking about um, the church, God's people being protected between the time when Jesus was on the earth and, and the time he'll return. But not to worry about too much about the details. Let's keep going. The, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And without trying to figure out every single little detail and completely understand what we've read, um, this picture of Revelation 12 is this dragon, Satan. Yes, evil is real. Yes, yes, it's right there. Yes, the world is a place of evil. But the picture of Revelation 12 is a picture of evil that has been defeated. The great dragon has been hurled down. If they could ever make a sort of a movie out of all this imagery, and it might be a bit too complicated, but if they could ever make a great movie, it would be a great movie plot. There's, there's a war and there's fighting and it's good versus evil. And like in a classic movie plot, evil is defeated. The dragon is slain. Christmas is a story where um, evil is, is very real. It affects us all. But Christmas is a story where good wins, where good has won. And that means for us, in a world where evil is real and heartbreak is real, it means Christmas is a story of real hope. Real hope as we face the real world. Real hope that evil doesn't win. Now, how does this story tell us that evil is defeated? Now, if we go on to this amazing little song in verses 10 to 12, uh, we'll see. Now stay with me. We appreciate we're getting a little bit technical as we dig into this passage. We're talking about this dragon, Satan. Uh, the dragon seems big and scary. Uh, but we should remember that Satan, that Satan is not God. Like Satan is not all powerful. Um, he doesn't have limitless power or anything like that. But there's one power. There's one power that Satan does have that is, um, that is a real power. It's, it's a serious power. And that is his power of his accusation. His power, the power of his accusation. You see, as we think about evil and we think about the brokenness of our world and the problems with our world and the, um, the evil things that happen, we'd be wrong to just play the victim card. can't just play the victim card because if we're honest, we know that, yes, the world is evil, yes, but we don't just feel the problems of this world. We contribute to them too. In big ways and little ways, we all do. And so Satan's big power is his accusation. His accusation that we are guilty, that we deserve to be punished. And that accusation is powerful because it's true. See how Satan's described as the accuser here in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. The picture here is of Satan going to God and saying, look, look at these people. Look at all these people. They're flawed. They're so broken. They're all sinners. They need to be punished. Are you God or not? You've got to do it. You've got to punish them. This is Satan's power because what he's saying is right. But here Revelation is saying that the accuser has been defeated, hurled down. And what weapon has, what weapon has defeated the accuser? What has taken away this power? Verse 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The Lamb, the Messiah, 
the child, Jesus, was born. He wasn't consumed by the dragon. He lived, he died. He was innocent and his blood was shed, paying the punishment that we deserve to pay. That's what we remember when we eat the, eat the bread and drink the juice. And as we trust in his blood, that's our testimony, as we trust in his blood and we testify that we belong to Jesus, what that means is that Satan's power is no more. What was his power? His accusation? Well, he could say that we deserve to be punished. Well, but now as we trust in Jesus, Satan can no longer say anything. Our punishment no longer hangs over us. It's been paid. Because of Jesus, his, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, Satan's got nothing on us. And that means he's been held down, defeated. The power of his accusation has been destroyed. Those who trust in Jesus can know we're free from the eternal punishment of sin. And we can know we'll go to live with God in his eternal kingdom where evil and brokenness has been left behind. This is the real hope of Christmas time. What that means is that those hard things in our world, the evil lurking that's perhaps uh, right in front of us or perhaps a little further out of sight. Yes, that evil in this world is real. Yes, it is hard. But the picture of Revelation 12 is that this is the raging of an angry dragon who knows he's already lost. Look at how it says that in verse 12. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. This is Revelation 12's Christmas story. An evil lurking dragon who wants to take us down, but to the earth is born a baby who grows up and by his death takes away that dragon's power, slays the dragon. This is great reason to celebrate at Christmas. Evil is real. But evil has been defeated. Those who trust in Jesus will escape the dragon of evil and can go, together, to go forever to live in the world put right. And yes, the picture of Revelation is still, for now, a picture of Christmas where evil is still there. Satan is defeated, he knows his time is short, and he's bitter and angry and he's raging and he wants to go down swinging. This, I think, should encourage us to be um, wary, to be on the lookout. Satan would love to get us all down about the world and think that there's no hope. He'd love to convince us all that evil actually wins. The last thing he wants to, uh, us to hear about is that in Jesus we can have real hope. He might well actually be quite happy for us to be distracted by all the pretty lights and the Christmas decorations as long as we don't think about the real truth of evil that's really out there. That way, when evil does hit home, you might not know how to respond to it. He'd love to hit you with the hard things and tempt you to make bad choices, make you feel like you're not good enough for God, like, uh, like his accusation is still powerful. He'd love you not to trust in God at all and, and not go to God with your sin. That way he knows the punishment for your sin is still there. But this is where the truth of the Christmas story in Revelation is so precious. We can be real about the problems of the world. Evil exists and uh, when it hits home, it can hit home really hard. But we can also be filled with hope because for us, the dragon and the evil he causes, well, at the end of the day, it's just a silly lizard getting angry because he knows he's already lost. If we trust in Jesus, we've got the dragon slayer on our side. He's with us by his spirit as we face whatever that dragon's got for us. Uh, which takes us to our final point. I hope, I hope as I've taken you through today, you can see the power of this version of the Christmas story. I think 
The Bible has some powerful things to say that we can take away today. Um, I think Revelation is powerful in that it helps us understand uh, the world we're living in. Yes, a dragon lurks. It's good to know that evil is real as we go out and face the real world. It's good to know why the world is the way that it is. Uh, But Revelation is powerful in that it helps us to be able to go out and face the evil of the world with real hope. Evil is real, but it's been defeated. It's been hurled down. I think that knowledge really helps as we deal with the stresses and the hard things that will come our way. But perhaps if there's one thing I want us to take away, perhaps more than any other, I, I think it would be our third point, even if there's not so much to say here as we finish. But I do want us to go away in wonder at the dragon slayer, in wonder at Jesus and what he's done for us, in worship of him. Picture Jesus, who is eternal. He's always been with God since before the world was created. Picture him knowing the state of the world and seeing Satan lead the world astray, knowing that Satan can accuse all the people of this world of doing wrong and that his accusation is true and valid. And then picture what Jesus chose to do. He chose to come. He was born as a child, came out even though he knew the dragon would be waiting there, wanting to devour him. And he resisted. He escaped Satan's plots. He resisted Satan's temptation. He lived the perfect life. And then just at the right time, he went to his death. Though innocent, he suffered and was put on the cross. His blood shed. And he knew exactly what he was doing, dying for us so that we could be set free. He knew what he was coming to face. He knew what he was going to, do, going to go through by choosing to come to earth. And he knew it would have been much easier to stay away. But this is a picture of a strong saviour, full of love, a dragon slayer, who came to save us, defeat the dragon of evil, and give himself for the cause. How can we do anything but marvel at this true king who came at Christmas time? As I was saying at the start, Brighton, I think, is a lovely place to be this time of year. There's decorations in the shops, there's Christmas songs playing. Um, One thing I wonder is, with all the festivity, I wonder... What do you think people make these days of the story of Jesus, the baby in the manger? Of course, mostly in the shops and on TV and everything, it's all about Santa Claus and Jingle Bells and Jesus often doesn't get much of a look in. That's okay. Of course, I'd love to see Jesus being honoured above all others, but we don't really live in that sort of society anymore. But there are lots of places where Jesus still gets a look in. As you go around the shops, some of the carols are still the Christian carols and when we were at the Santa's Wonderland thing this week, for a moment I paused and had to check myself because I noticed that um, Chris Tomlin's version of Joy to the World was playing, the same one we had to go at last week here at church. I thought, oh wow, that's cool. And you still see the pictures of the nativity and uh, you still hear the story around the place. I think most people still know the true story of Jesus in the manger. But I wonder what most people think of it. What do you reckon? I think maybe lots of people think it's a little cute story. Cute little baby might be a story for the underdogs, you know, for those struggling with the housing crisis. Mary and Joseph couldn't get a room either, but still they had a Christmas full of joy. Um, But it could be hard to see at first glance kind of what that story of a baby born 2,000 years ago really has to do with anything other than just being a cute little picture. I do wonder then if that's where pictures like the picture we've seen today in Revelation can be helpful, to see things from a different perspective. Uh, The Christmas story is a lot more than a cute little baby. It's a story of good versus evil, a story of the world, how it really is, a story of real hope, a story of strength and power, and it's the story of a true hero, the real hero, the ultimate dragon slayer, 
the slayer of Satan and of evil itself. The one who came at Christmas time humbled himself, the one who gave himself to save us. How might you worship that hero this Christmas time? How might you speak to others and give them a little bit of this picture of Christmas? How might we help others get a little bit beyond the cute story of the baby in the manger? How might we help them see the dragon slayer? Well, one thing we can do is I hope lots of us can invite people along next weekend. Uh, Lunch on Sunday, church on Christmas morning. We'll try and tell a little bit of this story in a fun and celebratory way. Uh, For now, I'm going to pray. And then we can stand and we can worship our great king, our dragon slayer, Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, we come to you today knowing the reality of this world. Lots of nice things in this world, but there is suffering. There is evil. And yet, as we've seen today, we rejoice in the name of Jesus, the dragon slayer. Evil has been defeated. Help us to trust in him as we face the evils and the struggles and the challenges of this broken world. And we thank you that you are with us. We praise his holy name this day. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be joined by our band. Jane's going to lead us into what next. Thanks, Jane.